Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This is going to be for John chapter 9. I'll read the heading. First, Jesus on the Sabbath heals a man born blind. The Jews accuse him of Sabbath violation. He lectures them on spiritual blindness. So the first part is about Jesus healing the the man that's blind since birth. Verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a common belief at the time that bodily afflictions were the result of sin. This is the best Bible text on the fact that there is a pre-existence or pre-mortal life. The sins of the fathers may be visited upon the children in the form of physical impairment, and mortal souls are capable of committing sin before they even breathe the breath of life. Both of these concepts are true, and that's by Bruce R. McConkie. Neil A. Maxwell said, This is a doctrine which reminds us mortals that we do not have all of the data. There are many times when we must withhold judgment and trust God lest we misread, as did Jesus' disciples, when they inquired about the man blind from birth, and Jesus gave the immortal reply, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Bruce McConkie also said, There are clearly special cases of individuals with special limitations in life, which we cannot now fathom. Like him who was blind from birth, some come to bring glory to God. We must be exceedingly careful about imputing either wrong causes or wrong rewards to all such. They are in the Lord's hands, and he loves them perfectly. Some of those who have inquired, who have required much waiting upon in this life may be waited upon in the next world, but for the highest of reasons. I remember as a student at BYU, um, I had an accounting class, and one day when the teacher didn't show up uh, on time, um, we had one of the students in our class that uh, was always in a wheelchair, and uh, he he asked if it would be okay if he came up to the front and said a few things to the class, and we said, that'd be fine. So he came up to the, to the front of the room, and he said, I've always wondered why I was handicapped, why I was in a wheelchair, why I couldn't uh, do what everybody else does. And uh, I prayed about that a lot, and finally one night I had a dream where I was in the pre-existence or the pre-mortal life, and uh, I was with Heavenly Father just as I was getting ready to come to earth. And uh, as he greeted me and and, uh, we spoke for a few minutes, he says, "Um, now I'm not going to be seeing you again. And he says, and and the, the young man says, what are you talking about? And he says, well, you're going to be making so many choices that are going to be wrong that uh, you just won't be able to make it back to my presence. And the young man started crying. He said, he said, I, I, I want to return back to thee. And he says, well, I know, but, you know, because you have agency, you're going to make choices that are going to just be so wrong that I just can't, uh, won't be able to have you back in my presence. And he said, I'll do anything, you know, please let me have a chance. I'll do anything that uh, that you ask to, to come back. And he says, well... There's a body being prepared right now that's not going to be completely whole. It's going to have defects. And he says, if, but if you'll accept that body and go into it, then you'll have a chance of returning back to my presence. And he said, I'll do that. And so then, uh, then he awoke from his dream. But he said uh, that he ever after he realized that 
his his handicap was actually a blessing to him and keeping him on the covenant path, on the path that uh, will return him back to Heavenly Father. So I'm not saying that that's the case for everybody with a handicap, but I'm saying that in that young man's instance, at least uh, that was the understanding that he had. So we never know. Um, we can't judge others, but uh, but uh, we do have agency. We did have agency in the premortal life. We know that. And so anyway, that's what that young man told us in class that one day. Uh, back to the scripture, verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Birth deformities may or may not result from parental disobedience, but we have no reason to believe that children are so afflicted because of acts done in the premortal life. All children are born free from the taint of sin because of the great plan of redemption ordained for them by a gracious God. And yet again, on the other hand, children through Though starting life in innocence or born in one race or another, at one time or another, with one talent or another, all as a direct result of the life lived before mortal birth. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. He also said, He is born thus for a purpose, so that I may heal him, and he may stand forever as a witness that I am the Son of God. This man did not ask to be healed, but Jesus sought him out. This miracle was performed primarily as a witness to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ, the, Son, the Lord God of, of this world. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. I am with you. The time cometh when I shall have finished my work. Then I go unto the Father. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. By this act of giving sight to a blind beggar, Jesus, in a dramatic and irrefutable manner, proclaimed himself as, one, the light of the world, and two, the very Son of God. He also confirmed the disciples' belief in pre-existence, rejected the belief of some that physical handicaps result from anti-mortal sin, taught that his own work was assigned him by the Father, reaffirmed that he stands in judgment upon the world, and taught that rejection of light and truth bring, bring condemnation. That was again by Elder McConkie. Verse 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat. The spit represents the living water on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind men with the clay. According to their traditions, he was breaking the law of the Sabbath by making the clay and applying a healing remedy to an impaired person. His person or his purpose seems to be to put the people in a position to choose between him as one sent of God to do the work of the Father, as one who can open blind eyes and to open their blind eyes about Sabbath observance. That was by Bruce R. McConkie again. Verse 7, And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The water that was used in the Feast of Tabernacle ceremony, again the living water symbol. Before opening the eyes of the blind physically, Jesus reminded his hearers of his previous pronouncement, I am the light of the world, as though to teach, Whenever you remember that I opened the blind eyes, physically remember that also that I came to bring light to eyes spiritually. Jesus is, is involving the man in his own healing by requiring him to exercise faith in going to the pool and washing his eyes. Verse 8, The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had, had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? He was a well-known character. Many who had seen him in his accustomed place begging, it was also commonly known that he was born blind. Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and received, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I, I know not. And they brought him who had been blind to the Pharisees, 
And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him who hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. Boy, they're making a big deal about this, aren't they? They're calling the parents now to verify that he was born blind. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son, who who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not, or what, or who hath opened his eyes. We know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Notice that the parents are being very careful here. I'll explain why in a second. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. In other words, he would be excommunicated. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. The man's parents lacked the moral courage of their son. They were afraid to answer directly. Excommunication, depending on the degree, meant a sort of living death for the people. People would keep at a distance of four cubits from him. And uh, if a person was excommunicated from their community, that meant that they had no livelihood anymore. Verse 24, Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? The Pharisees are trying to find an inconsistency in his testimony to prove the miracle was done by the devil. He answered them, I have told you already. And ye did not believe, wherefore would ye believe if I should tell you again, and what would ye what would you be his disciples, and would you be his disciples? He replied fearlessly and with such pertinent logic as to completely offset their skill as cross examiners. That was by James E. Talmage. Elder McConkie said, In other words, that why are you asking me again? Is it because I have converted you? Do you now believe? Are you ready to become his disciples? twenty eight. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this man, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes? Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, he heareth he, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that if that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind, except he be of God? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. They were enraged that this unlettered person should answer so boldly in their scholarly presence, but the man was more than a match for all of them. He, his rejoinder was maddening because it flouted their vaunted wisdom and withal was unanswerable. That was by James E. Talmadge. So they excommunicated the man. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. 
He was born blind, whose eyes Jesus opened, received now a greater gift than sight itself. His lifelong spiritual blindness ceased also. His spirit eyes were opened. He knew Jesus was the Son of God through whom salvation comes, and he was prepared to follow him, worship him, and keep his commandments. Because of his belief in the Son, he was ready to enter in at the gate of repentance and baptism and to plant his feet firmly on the path leading to eternal life. That was by Elder McConkie. He bore his testimony to his neighbors and to the Pharisees. He stood as a witness of God at all times and in all things and in all places, regardless of the consequences. 39, and Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus' answer is yes. Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now we say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. The Pharisees felt that their very existence as interpreters of the Mosaic law was being threatened. That's the end of the chapter. And so we can see here Jesus is the light of the world, and he brings light to those that are also spiritually blind. And uh, so that as we uh, open our eyes spiritually, that we will see the light of God, and that's the Savior. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.